This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Good morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek here in Hurricane Central, HRN Hurricane Central in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Lisa Graham coming to you from a nice, calm Watsika, Illinois. And you are listening to a special Draft Horse episode of Horses in the Morning on Horse Radio Network, presented by the Draft Horse Journal for today, September 7th, 2017. Our episode number is 1776. And this episode is brought to you by the 2018 World Clydesdale Show. Good morning, Heavy Horse World. Good morning. Mm, wow, that's a pretty big butt. As I promised, we are going to have a class that is second to none. We are going to be bringing in the Clydesdales, the Belgians, and the Perturans in the arena. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this Draft Horse Day here at uh, Horses in the Morning. We do this once a month on the first Thursday of the month. Lisa is joining us. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. I'm hoping that you have great weather today because it looks like you better batten down the hatches. Yeah, I I did want to talk about that a little bit. If uh, We did do a special yesterday. If you want to take a listen, uh, go back to yesterday's show at Horses in the Morning on Wednesday uh, at about an hour into the show. We had some people on who are in charge of things here in Florida, and we're really giving advice to horse people. I've seen multiple reports. They said that uh, yesterday was probably the largest movement of horses in Florida history. And according to everybody in Georgia that was on the roads, they've seen nothing but Florida license plates heading north and horse trailer after horse trailer heading north. So... They waived the restrictions here in Florida as far as health certificates and things and are just basically trying to get the horses out of the state. Um, And right now, it's still kind of up in the air exactly going to be the track of the storm, but in one way or another, it's coming up over Florida. So we, uh, I know a lot of listeners, and I really, Jennifer and I truly appreciate your concern. We've been getting a lot of messages. Uh, I I don't think they care about us, Lisa, but I think they care about Scooter and Nigel more than us. So our horses. Um, Our horses, because we have a stick barn. Um, we have made arrangements with a good friend, Charlotte, who has a concrete block barn that if it does look like we're going to be in anything over 80 mile an hour winds, we will bring the horses over to the block barn. Uh, but, you know, that creates another problem, Lisa, is they're there about 20 minutes away from us. And basically, they're going to be taking care of our horses because if 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 it all does break loose, we won't be able to get there. So that's, no. you know, that's a hard one, isn't it? It's very hard. And, you know, thank goodness for our social media like i've been seeing on facebook a lot of the draft horse community that live in georgia and and live in that area that are saying hey we have plenty of stalls bring your horses up and like you say it kind of causes a double-edged sword there because you get your horses to safety but you're not with them and relying on somebody else but i think in this condition and and what we're experiencing it's it's kind of strange because we're having the the floods and the horrible weather down in the south but out west 
you know, watching Montana and Idaho and Wyoming, the fires are so immense. It's it's so sad to see the devastation. People are posting pictures and, and you can see entire towns engulfed in flames and, and everything that people own just up in smoke, literally. And, and the lives of those firefighters that are going into to the battle, uh, when you're you're down south and you're fighting those storms. It's kind of the aftermath. You go in after and clean up. Out west, they're going in and trying to to stop these fires and help prevent other towns. So, Mother Nature's not been very very good to us right now. I know it's uh, you. You wish you could just take some of the water that's down here and in Texas and put it up there. I mean, it seems easy. Exactly. Right? <laughs> it's like it, Mother Nature it, it just it, has to get it, it together. Is what I'm saying. Oh, I'm telling you. Well, we got some exciting things happening in in the draft horse world. And I know we we say every time we get together, we talk about just some things that are happening in our industry that are good. And one thing that I want to mention real quick is that so awesome to have Gentle Giants doing some new episodes. They're going to start their new season on RFD TV October 1st. Pam Minnick and Katie Kaufman have been traveling around to the shows and events, and they've got some coverage, not only of the events, but as Pam told me the other day, some good stories come out. They can go to a show and cover the show, but that heartfelt stories that come out of some of these um, shows is, is just awesome. So they've been to Scott County Fair in Jordan, Minnesota. They went to the Brit Show in Iowa. They're going to Oklahoma City. They'll be in Mona. So good day have the girls back on air with some new episodes on Gentle Giants. Yeah, it was so fun when I got to meet them at the Percheron Congress. It was fun. Yep. And they're, gear- they're gearing up for you. If you're going to be in that celebrity drive, they're, they're <laughs> wanting a rematch, just so you know. Yeah, I think I think one of them beat me, but Wendy, nobody beat Wendy. So I think one of them did beat me, though. Uh, yeah, but I, yeah, I think one of them did, but I think it was Miss Katie that got the consolation prize if we all remember what her trophy looked like yes <laughs> kind of a yes. back end of the horse trophy katie, <laughs> katie treasures that well i would too but, uh, well with all the fun things happening we do have some things that we want to we want to send our condolences to some families and normally there's one or two deaths that happen in a season but the draft horse family and the draft horse world has been hit hard in the last few weeks we've lost several People that have truly made a difference in our industry. And uh, one gentleman in particular, Ted English, fought a very short but very hard battle with cancer. He was the owner of Country Lane Belgians in Ontario. He's very active. He was part of our Classic Series Finals for many years. He was on the board. Just a true, true gentleman. And, and when I announced his passing, I said that's the only words to describe Ted was he is a true gentleman. And, and so our condolences are going to the English family and, and everybody involved with them. Also, a young man that was living his dreams, uh, Devin Ginrich. He was a horse trainer. He was riding bulls and unfortunately, an accident with a bull riding. And at 19 years old, he passed. So a life cut very, very short. So mm. we send our uh, thoughts out to Devin's family. And then Charlie Burns. Charlie was an instrumental part of, of draft horse shows. And we hardly ever, ever hear about it, but he was killed in a horse accident at the fair and, and very sad. He was the backbone to, to the county fairs and the different fairs. So Charlie Burns, we acknowledge his family. And just recently, Cliff Kaufman by Illinois down here by me. He, another true gentleman that wasn't always big in the show circuit, but he loved horses. He loved his kids. And he was killed um, last week in an accident with horses. And then during the Labor Day weekend, we 
I heard of the passing of Keith Woodbury. Keith was just a legend in, in our draft horse industry. Um, he lived a, a long life and he devoted it to horses and his family and his son, Dean Woodbury, and their grandchildren continuing on. And Keith was just, a, was just a great guy. So our condolences going out to the Woodbury family. So lots of big loss this last wow. three weeks in That's our industry. That's a lot. Yeah. That's yeah. a lot in a year. But going on. It's a it, yeah, it is. But going on to a positive uh, adventure, we're all gearing up for the Classic Series Finals in Oklahoma City next week. I fly in on Thursday, and we're ready to crown a champion six-horse hitch for North America. So if, if you ever wanted to come to a show, Glenn, I think this is one that you should get to because it is down to the wire. To qualify, you have to be in the top four of your breed, and it literally came down to the last shows which were labor day weekend and some of the finalists that are coming only squeaked by with one or two point advantage so this is one of the closest runnings that we've ever had for the championship to send everybody to to oklahoma so that's going to be exciting now, how, do you know how many sixes will be there 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 are 12 we pick the top four each, we okay. take the top four pertrans the top four belgians and then the Clydesdale breeds are combined so there will be 12 hitches. Last year, the champions were the Mark Messenger Memorial Hitch, the Perturans from Wyoming. And I can't wait to see now, if it's going to be a Perturan, a Belton, a Clydesdale, or a Shire. For our listeners that are new to, to, to all of this and have never seen one of the shows, we have a couple minutes here. Can you kind of describe what will, ha- what will the six-horse hitches have to do in competition? Well, and this is just for the classic series. I want to remind you that the Oklahoma State Fair is still conducting their draft tour show. We just kind of swoom in and, and take over the spots for our top 12 that come to the finals. And it's because of the hard work of Express Ranches and Bob Funk and Josh Mitchell that, that Oklahoma State Fair has been our home for the past few years. They put in a lot of money, a lot of effort to draw these six horse hitches there. And it, it's just a mesmerizing show. But what happens is these hitches are all traveling. We have them coming as far as um, Eastern Canada. Uh, they're, they're coming from all over to be crowned the champion and, and lots of prize money at stake. This is one way that our industry is supporting these hitches. This was started almost 30 years ago by Dr. John Weber, as you know, from Ocala. Uh, he and his group thought this is a way to promote draft horses, to get shows, to pay more to get shows more involved and it's turned into you know almost 30 years later a tremendous event where people are as i said before down to the wire what shows can they go to to gain points so when they get to oklahoma these hitches will perform the six horse hitch they're going to perform three times under three different judges and we will tally each night's scores their placings and then on sunday afternoon after our final judging the scores are tallied and then we crown the overall winner. So we will place Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The hitches will all be placed by a different judge. But on Sunday, those scores are all tallied. They're going to come in the arena just like you do in a normal hitch class. Work both ways of the arena at the walk, at the trot. Line up. They'll take an inspection of the confirmation, the presence. They take every individual hitch into consideration, looking at the horses, the harness, the wagon. And it is a performance class. Our judges are going to be looking for horses that are alert, 
animated, that are quick to listen to whatever command that the driver puts to them. So it is all about the performance and uniformity and consistency. And as I said, each night the winner will be crowned of the night. And then on Sunday afternoon, we will crown the overall champion for the North American Six Horse Hitch. So it's going to be a great show. If you're anywhere near Oklahoma, make sure to come down because you're not going to have a chance to see horses of that caliber really anywhere else that, that gather at one time. I'm knocking on wood. So far, Oklahoma is not burning or underwater. So it should be good, better weather than the rest of the country. You should be in good shape. Well, I have to say, it's always it's always been extremely hot. You know, we, we go down there. Right and, now, and I, we would hot, all t- just take was, the hot. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> we'll take hot. <laughs> well, yeah. I was talking to, to Laura Mitchell yesterday, and she and I both agreed. This is crazy. I mean, we were in the 50s in the mornings and 70 in the afternoon. So prime weather to showcase the gentle giants. And, you know, there's nothing like being in an arena watching when, when the sixes go around and the, you feel the, the earth shake and the, the, your bleachers shake. And it's just really cool. They're, they're, and the clinking of the harness. I always love the clinking of the harness. Uh, that's just the coolest sound. It really is. Right. It's a lot of fun. Right. Well, speaking of harness... Speaking of harness, which really doesn't relate, but I'm going to run right into it. We want to make sure that everybody knows that there is a new heavy horse calendar out there. It's produced by the Draft Horse Journal. If you're looking for a great gift uh, for horse lovers, the Gentle Giants calendar 2018 model is available for $15. And you can contact the Draft Horse Journal or the Clydesdale store and more. We have them. but And, and you talk about hearing the harness and hearing the – but the – Sites are just as well. They've captured some tremendous pictures in this calendar from workhorses to show horses to kids with horses or just horses out in the field. It, it's a great thing. And what a great gift. I know gentlemen are hard to buy for this calendar, $15. And you can remind them every month that, you know, circle something in the month or, or ride on it. It's, it's a great gift. The 2018 Heavy Horse Calendars. And where can they get it again? You can get it at the Draft Horse Journal. You can find them on Facebook or, or give them a call directly or the Clydesdale store and more. We have it available online or you can Facebook us as well. Right. And we'll be getting your copy in the mail, of course. Yay, because I'll put it right here on my wall. All right. Uh, <laughs> we, 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 we're getting to our first guest here shortly. Robert Detweiler is coming on from Lanes End Farm. But first, I have to tell you, in just 412 days, the, world's Cly- the World Clydesdale Show will be returning to the Alliant Energy Center in Madison, Wisconsin, where it was held in both 2007 and 2011. Well, the size, expect the biggest, the quality unmatched, the beauty, nothing compares to the beauty of the Clydesdales. Madison is a great city to embrace the 2018 World Clydesdale Show. The camping on site and hotels within walking distance of this facility are terrific. More than 600 Bonnie Clydes will be on hand in the latest state-of-the-art facilities, totaling 290,000 square feet of indoor space. The The World Clydesdale Show is proud to welcome Chesapeake Peak Petroleum as their official title sponsor. And it does mean great things for Clydesdales and their crown jewel event. The breed's best will be on hand to partake in the well over 100 competitions. And we're excited to announce that an additional $50,000 in premiums have been pledged by Chesapeake Petroleum's Victoria, Victoria McCullough. 
Stay connected as more World Clyde Show details are confirmed and announced at worldclydesdaleshow.com. I can never get that out quickly. (laughs) Worldclydesdaleshow.com. It carries all the sponsorship information and opportunities, the volunteer forms, vendor forms, and more. The website will be enhanced and uh, will be updated in the coming months, right up until the 2018 World Clydesdale Show. I can't wait. It's October. October 24th to the 28th, 2018. Make your plans and set your goals to be there. There's a lot of feathers to be seen. <laughs> there is. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think our guest is ready. Well, our first guest of the morning has been an exciting guest. He's lots of comments on our Facebook page about Mr. Robert Detweiler from Lanes Inn Farm and working for Anderson Farms. Robert is among the industry's leaders. He has shown, bred, and exhibited and as well as judge draft horses for nearly four decades. He grew up with Belgians. He's drove a multitude of hitches throughout his career, and he has taken many horses to the top, both in the hitch and the halter division. He set some very high goals for others. He's competed at three world championships and had champions in both the Pertrans, the Belgians, and the Clydesdales. He does everything with those horses, working day and night with the draft horses. He is the go-to guy for many people when they have questions and he's a class act. So Robert, I kind of set the bar high for you today, but it's nice to have you with us. Good morning. So I have to ask, good, good morning. I have to ask you Mm -hmm. kind of excited about today. You've been one of our most talked about guests that are coming on board. Well, I, I don't know how to answer that, but uh, that's wonderful. I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to it. I've never done this uh, from a home to a radio station like this, so a talk show, so it's different. <laughs> well, see, those days when we interviewed your wife, you were probably back there giving her advice. Now she's going to give you the advice. No, she's the professional at this. I just, uh, I just, I'm usually out in the horse barn this time of the day, so uh, this is all good. Uh, horses are starving, Hi. thanks to you, Lisa. They're not eating at all this morning. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, they no. usually get they're the they're well, the first thing to get taken care of here at the farm usually. So, is the horse absolutely chores. well. Well, Robert, we're going to go back to the beginning because in talking with the producers, you know, Lentilene, good friend of yours, he said a lot of people know Robert now. Now, but let's go back to the beginning. So we're just going to have a, a chat here to talk about the life that you started early in Iowa that started your love for the draft horses. So to start, you grew up on an Amish farm in Iowa and horses were your way of life. Did you know from the beginning that they would take you where, where you are today? Well, I, I've had a passion for it. my father. He was, he's been dealing horses his entire life. Also my grandpa, I remember him having horses. And, um, so it, it's something that, yeah, I had a passion for from the very get go. I, I think I stole my first Belgian when I was 12, when my dad wasn't home. And, uh, from there on, he said, what'd you get for him? I said, 3000. He said, does he want any more? And I said, I don't think so. He just wanted the one. So that's kind of probably where it started. All right. So, so just tell me about the beginning. You grew up with Belgian horses, your dad was synonymous with sale horses. If if Alan Detweiler came to a sale, you knew he had good horses. And I know that went back to you and your, your brothers helping on the farm and getting those horses ready to present. But tell me about the beginning. You were, were working horses, and then all of a sudden, how, how did you jump from there to Miller Container? How, was, how did that progress? Well, 
I started off, I, I went to work for Gary and Cyril Dare in Illinois. I, they showed some Belgian horses. And from there, I went to Jim Hilgendorf's at Colorado 2J Ranch out in Simla, Colorado. And he had the Coors Belgian Hitch. And um, Dick Sparrow used to come out. I was still, I think I was 18 or 19 years old at that time. And uh, so we started, uh, me and Jim and me kind of started driving a six about the same time. We had never, neither one of us had much experience in driving a six, but uh, Dick Sparrow did a lot of teaching there. And uh, from there, then I went to work for Miller Container. And uh, I think that was a 1984. And he had a Perchin hitch and a Belgian hitch. So I started off, he had a dappled gray Perchin hitch. And I started off driving the gray Perchins. And then Jim Wisman was there and he had the Belgian hitch. So we had two hitches that traveled on the road and, and showed and stuff. And uh, I learned a lot of things from him. And there's a lot of people that taught me a lot of things along the way, I guess. Oh, I think and you know, our producer, Leno. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was just going to say my first victory lap ever. I got to take a victory lap with you and we were showing down south at the Schuyler County Fair. And that fair is no longer does not have a draft horse show anymore, but that was always the place to go. And, and that's where the first time I remember seeing you actually drive. And as you said, Jim Wisman, it was it was unusual to have one farm with two hitches. It, it, it was back then. And uh, the McMains were there and Craig Range had a hitch there. And there was, I don't know, seven or eight hitches there. But um, we had a perch and gray hitch, and I remember that was my first show I went to with a six, and I won the six and the four, and Ralph House was judging, and you were the queen. And you there got you to go. take a victory See? lap. I remember the judge, <laughs> the, judge, <laughs> the judge announced this, and we said, then my driver, assistant driver was Glenn Ike, a Schrader. He said, I think they have the wrong number, Robert. I think they mean the Belgian hitch. And I said, okay, we'll just wait then. And they said, no, would you bring the gray perchins out? So. We were definitely surprised and shocked, and it's uh, it's exciting today yet. So I got to tell you, she still yeah. thinks she's the queen. I'm just saying. No, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Now, no, Glenn, Alyssa that's does a great one job with the horse shows. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're gonna we're just gonna continue because we have lots of notes to talk to you about. But that was what you kind of consider your stepping stone into the hitching. You remember, you're always you remember your your first win and those horses that you drove in. And back then those were big, powerful horses. I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, 30 years ago, but big, big, powerful horses. So the love with the draft horses always has in its sights, the Budweiser Clydesdales, almost all the kids that grow up say, I'm going to drive the Budweiser Clydesdales. So you moved from Miller container into working for Budweiser Clydesdales. You were there for 11 years and, and, Tell us a little bit about that, where you started and where you ended your career. Well, I went to the breeding farm with Barry Farrell, and uh, that's, I was there when he was still running the farm and his son, Phil. And I was there approximately four or five months, and uh, I was you know, helping. I really enjoyed that part of it, the folding part. I've always had a, a great passion for that. And uh, I remember putting the shoes on Durwood. Uh, yeah, Derwood Danny or whatever his name was can't can, can come to my mind right now. But anyway, he he went up to the national that year and won the national show champion stallion, Clydesdale stallion. And about a couple of months after that, um, they called me and there was an opening on the East Coast. And so that was in Merrimack, New Hampshire. And uh, so I went out there and uh, uh, loved it, started cleaning the harness and uh, driving one of the trucks. And then uh, eventually... Uh, Probably two years later, I was I got an opportunity to get on the wagon and do a little driving, and uh, 
one thing led to another. And shortly after that, I got a chance to drive at some of the greatest events in East Coast. So I, I love that. Yeah. And then did you end up coming back to the St. Louis area? Uh, no, I, I stayed on the East Coast the entire time. I we, we travel up and down the East Coast. We spend the winter in Florida, which was wonderful, except right now with a hurricane. And we uh, go up towards the Pennsylvania, Ohio uh, areas like that in the summertime and uh, got a chance to see a lot of wonderful things. Uh, I did three presidential inaugural parades, uh, uh, Mardi Gras in New Orleans, Daytona 500. Uh, just you know, some wonderful venues like that. And uh, the Royal Winter Fair, that was one of my great moments that I remember that I drove the eight horse hitch up there the first time the Clydesdales were ever at the Royal Winter Fair in Toronto. I remember doing the exhibition up there and that was, uh, that was truly one of my highlights in my life. Uh, people that, loved it. Absolutely. So from Budweiser, your career changed to go back to the Pertrans. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I, 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 the only reason I left Budweiser was because the guy, I had a farm in Iowa and the gentleman that ran it for me, Harley Helmuth, uh, ended up unfortunately dying and, and had a commission with his health. And I came back and, um, uh, I ended up just staying back here and my dad come up and visit me quite a bit. I just lived four or five miles from my father's place at the time. And he told me about a guy named Leroy Gray that was wanting to get into Pertrans. He had a bunch of Pertrans, but they were wanting to get into hitch horses and some breeding program. And I just, I went over and met him and met Carolyn and Leroy and uh, I hit it off kind of. And uh, one thing led to another and I just uh, ended up, I decided that, you know what, maybe it was time for something else. So that's when I got into the, the more of the breeding end of it. I, I really enjoy that part of it. And uh, so I, that's, that's how that got started. Well, and back then there wasn't, you know, in, when you look at today's hitches, the mares are dominating. The mayor, the mayor hitches are doing extremely well. Back then the mares were coming on, but they weren't as competitive at the big shows, but you set that bar. You took those great transportation mares to the, the top. You, you worked diligently to go to these shows that, as I said, were primarily gelding shows, and and you stood at the top. And one thing that I think is neat about our interaction with this um, Horses in the Morning is Carolyn Gray sent us a message today, and she said, I sure miss Robert, and I want to always tell him thank you for what he did for us, and that we went to the top, and it was such a good ride with him. So that has to be heartwarming to know that these people, even though you're not with them anymore, they're not showing they still feel like you are part of their family. Well, we had a great connection and Carolyn, uh, she loved to ride on the wagon. She was very involved with everything and Leroy, cause he had to go to work. So me and Carolyn got to do all the stuff around the barns for nine years. And, uh, you know, probably the, the satisfying part about my deal with them was, is that when I went there, it was just beginning. So, you know, uh, he had just bought a wagon. We hadn't had a harness yet and we were fortunate enough to get a nice harness and all the horses, you know, it was, a, it was a, we were all three really involved, you know, and, and we ended up getting, you know, get, putting the hitch on the road. We were, we had a hitch. I think I was there six months. We went to Calgary Stampede in 98 and we were lucky enough to win the eight up there, six horse hitch up there. And from there, then we got into the breeding end of it. And that just got, it got to the point where we almost had 80 to hundred Pertrans at one time. And, uh, so it was very satisfying for me to, be there from the beginning to put things together. And, and, uh, when we had the sale at the end there, it was, uh, just an amazing, it was an amazing sale. What some of the mayors, what they did and how they looked and what, the, what I was able to 
uh, to achieve there, I guess, was it was I, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Absolutely. So great transportation. Then they took a different turn with with their horses. They they now have small horses or into light horses. But that was a transition for you into your next career stance with David Anderson. So tell us how you met Mr. David Anderson and what the horses worked working together with David. How does that connection work? Well, I would I, uh, Leroy and Carolyn wanted to get into more of the breeding end of it. I wanted to stay in the hitches kind of, but uh, you know, it's this job, there's only so many jobs out there in this industry for something like that. So Anyway, in the meantime, I, I kept getting phone calls from a gentleman in Ontario. I didn't know for sure. He told me who was David Anderson, but I never, you know, knew for sure who he was. Never asked him his age or anything. That was one of the, you know, I just remember him talking to me about wanting to get into it. His father was into purchasing horses, and they had showed at the Royal and stuff like that. So anyway, uh, I was actually working at John Deere at the time, and he kept uh, calling me and talking to me. And finally, one day we we met, I guess, and, and, and then I realized he was a lot younger than I was. And uh, <laughs> he kind of told me about his horses that he has himself. And uh, so one thing led to another, and uh, we ended up. I had I had a couple other clients, horses and David's, and uh, eventually. Um, I went to just David's and, uh, it's been a great ride. I mean, he's, he's got a incredible passion for horses and, uh, that's the whole key. I mean, you have to have owners like Leroy and Carolyn and David Anderson that have the same passion you do to be able to be successful, you know? Absolutely. So David had the love for the Pertrans that went back to his family with the Pertrand horses, but you continued to grow and you slowly moved into the Clydesdales. So now, in current time, you have horses, both Pertrans and Clydesdales, and and that has to be one tough show. When you're at a show, I, I literally see you, so I know how tough it is. Sometimes you have horses on both sides of the arena. Well, it's, unfortunately, some of the shows have the, the, the halter show, confirmation classes for the Clydes and the Pertrans are the same day with and there's the four A-rated shows, and I think three of them happen about the same time. So Lansing, uh, Mission Great Lakes, Iowa State Fair, and Indiana, they show exactly pretty much the same time. So it's definitely a juggling act, but uh, I got a part of my reason for my success is I have a wonderful bunch of people around me. And uh, I have a shout out to Dale Jensen's been with me for, I don't know, 25 years. And uh, so that I just I've, I've always been lucky to have you know, some really good people around me to help this all work out for me, I guess. Right. And when we talk about being successful, I think you have set what is in modern time a record. You currently have a world champion Pertrin and a world champion Clydesdale. So tell us about tell us about your world champion Pertrin, because I know she's a horse that's very dear to you. Well, uh, I bought her as a two-year-old from Joe Yoder from Bloomfield, Iowa, and her sire, I had, I, me and Leroy Gray raised the sire GT's Hallmark, and Leroy ended up giving me GT's Hallmark when we split up, and so I had him here for seven, eight years, and uh, the mother was GT's Hillary, and she was raised by Leroy and Carolyn Gray, and uh, she goes back to some, you know, wonderful pedigrees on stallions. Her mother was a uh, Grandmother was a full brother, Pleasant View King. And so there was you know, a black home Duke was in the background there. And so anyway, uh, I bought her as a two-year-old. I bought her uh, very, very, very reasonable. Joe didn't want to take her to Gordyville. So we ended up buying her and I brought her home during the Waverly sale. I remember Steve Greg was there 
and said he's looking for a two-year-old mare, and I almost sold her to him that day, but David kind of talked me out of it, and thank God <laughs> I didn't because she ended up developing into, you know, just a beautiful mare, you know, and I know she's getting close to retirement age. She's eight, nine years old, but she's had four foals, and she's due to have her fifth foal, and uh, this year, one of uh, my goal always is to win the breeding classes, and uh, she was undefeated brood mare. And she also won the mare in full class. And I think in her, the four years I've showed her mare in full, I think we've only been second twice. Otherwise, she's won the mare in full class wherever she's been in them at that time. And so that's a true brood mare. Uh, she does, we don't drive her, uh, but hopefully one of these days we'll have a foal out of her. That is maybe something we can put in a cart and we're looking forward to that. Absolutely. So we, we leave the East Coast where we crown our supreme horse of the show and and she was an outstanding horse and then we moved to the Clydesdales and you actually made that trip to London showing horses for uh Andersons and you had a champion at the World Clydesdale show as well well that that one is you know is probably more dear to my heart than any of them but uh, the day she was born me and my wife were out in the stall I think it was January 7th or something like that and she was born and I she got up and I called David and I said, this is the greatest foal that's ever been born here. So he's like, okay, I've been with you four years. Let's see, I got four perchins and I'm at this. So we got 22 colts. I said, no, this is the greatest foal that's ever been born here, period, including great transportation or anybody, aim my own horses. So she was just an absolute knockout from the very get-go. She's uh, four years old. We didn't show her this year because she's in full for an early foal. And uh, that would be Anderson's ovation. And she ended up, you know, being, we took her out as a foal. She was undefeated at one show, uh, a judge in Minnesota, Alan Freetag, made her champion mayor as a foal overall. Clydes said that she's going to win many more and he wants to be the first guy to make her champion. So uh, I, uh, she is, she's truly, you know, she's been kind of the one that, uh, uh, that's put us on the map with the Clydesdales. And we were just fortunate enough to be able to buy uh, beautiful brood mares from 2S when they sold out that give us an opportunity to have some of these horses and uh, all that. It's There's always more to the story, and this is that other part of the story that we were able to buy her in full, and then she had this beautiful filly called Anderson's Ovation. Yeah, and for, for those that have think they've never seen Ovation, she is the poster child for the upcoming World Clydesdale Show. So anything that you see advertising the 2018, Ovation is the horse that is that is pictured on all of go so she, she's a beautiful beautiful mare so we've talked about your hitching we've talked about these halter horses so my question to you now is what is harder to achieve a champion hitch or a champion halter horse a champion halter horse uh without a doubt uh, there's i think most breeders that have that have draft horses if they raise one champion mare in their lifetime you know, to go to a show and, and win with her. She, you know, most of the good ones last three to five years. We can be very competitive. And if you can, if you're fortunate enough to win the national twice, that, that would be very, very fortunate. So I, I, I think the halter horse is by far tougher. The hitch horses, you know, there, there's a lot of, like you said, beautiful black mares out there and gildings and hitches that do well. And also Clydes and, and Belgians, but I, I, there's always sales in the spring and there seems like there's always a superstar that's available to be bought one or two, or there's a hitch selling out or something like that. And so I, I, I think, I think, uh, putting a hitch together, it's obviously very challenging, but I, there's no doubt about it that, that hit, putting a, a, a winning six together is easier than having a raising or breeding a champion holder horse, in my opinion. 
Okay. Well, so give me your idea of what you think your greatest accomplishment is. I know we just talked about that foal being born and, and you and your wife there from the beginning and she, she going into being a world champion. But is that one of your accomplishments or is it more the overall breeding and the horses that you're, you're seeing out there that, that have your stamp on them or, or I guess anything, what, what do you feel like is one of your greatest accomplishments? Well, I mean, uh, I started off driving hitches and that, and that's where in 1985 and you were at the Illinois state fair, Lisa and, uh, mm-hmm. Doug Palmer was judging and I won the gilding six of Belgians and I won the gilding six of Perchins that day and had champion in both of them halter class. And I remember this because I actually have a picture downstairs of that and you're standing there giving me the trophy <laughs> at my house. So anyway, that's from 1985. I think I was 22 years old then. And um, that same year, I went to the Royal Winter Fair in Toronto with the Belgian Hitch and we had uh, champion six, four, unicorn and heavy draft. And we had champion gilding and Gary Hill was the judge of that show. So, you know, the hitching was always been, you know, then driving the Budweiser hitch was obviously, I mean, I don't take anything for granted. That was a beautiful thing. But I, I still think probably that the two champion, and I think 2015 at the Indiana State Fair, we had the Supreme Champion Perchin Mayor one day, and the next day we had the Supreme Champion Clyde Mayor. And because I think it's just tough to do that, uh, I think I'll pick the two Supreme Champion holder horses. That would be probably my, one of my most memorable things that will ever happen to me, I think. Well, and, and when we look at you, you exactly. And I say, I get, I get to see you a lot in the arena and I see that you're juggling. And and one thing that you do have to give those accolades and you, you freely give those to your crew because they're in the back feeding you these horses. You you guys don't sleep much. I know, I know, especially with this Clyde, you're up, uh, up early, early, making sure everything is fit with them. But there's a lot of times that horses that you fit, that you've gotten ready you don't get to show because like at Iowa this year, you're showing Pertrans and your crew's on the other side showing the Clydesdale. So I think you have that good balance where, where you've learned to juggle and you have a, you have a great crew, but we've kind of touched on judging and, and I know you have judged and probably looking forward to, to recommending you to judge some more. But one of the big things going on right now is, is judge qualifications. And I give you a little heads up on this so that you could really think about it, but we're finding right now there are no standards in our draft horse industries. We just have one man's or one woman's opinion on that given day. But you've done some judging. What are you looking for when you're judging, and what are you expecting out of those exhibitors? Well, I mean, as you know, if I'm judging breeding classes, you know, I, I'm I'm looking for a sound horse with great confirmation that, in in my opinion, that it's going to make a difference in the breed. I mean, uh, that, that's what you're looking for. I mean, sometimes you can't find them. Sometimes you can. But, you know, like having one person's opinion, at the end of the day, I mean, uh, I know breed standards are, you know, to me, you're, you're asking for that person's opinion. And the reason that person is there is because we want his opinion. And uh, if it's an A-rated show, um, I think the person that's there should have at least showed or competed or won at an A-level show. And same thing goes for B or Cs or whatever. And, uh, you know, so I think that's what, you know, what qualifies a judge. And uh, as far as, you know, that the hitch horses, I, I feel the same way about hitch horses. I mean, they, they go to Gordyville and there's some of the spring sales. They spend tons of money on horses. And when they get to the big shows, they want somebody judging them that they feel has been at that level or has competed at that level. And so I, that's, I guess that's my answer to that. And a lot of times the judging thing, it, it comes down to, conflict shows. I mean, there's a show going on at three different places. 
they call the first person, mm-hmm. you can't judge it, the next person can't judge it, and all of a sudden you're down to a third or fourth person that can judge it. And, and that's what makes it, I think, complicated sometimes for some of the fairs to get the people that, you know, people really want sometimes. But at the end of the day, uh, uh, I raise a foal. My goal is to go out and try to win the national with it. And uh, I work very hard at it, trying to get to that level. And uh, at the end of the day, when you get out there, you hope you have a judge that appreciates that. And, uh, and I would say back when I started showing, we, we would have hitch horses and we have halter horses. And we would sometimes, if you had a halter judge judging hitches, people would complain a little bit about that. And vice versa, if you had a hitch judge and halter horses, people were like, oh, what's going on here? Now, at most of the big shows, we it's split. I mean, you have one guy that judges halter and confirmation. The other guy judges hitches. So I, th- I think that part of it has helped, you know, with that too. But it's a tough call. And, on, and, and I guess at the end of the day, if you showed at an A-level show and you were at an A-level show, then you're probably qualified to judge it because, uh, you know, if you've, that's how most people look at it, I think, anyway. Well, and it, it is getting tougher, as you said, with the conflicts of all the shows. But with the world shows, um, let's talk about like the Clydesdales, for instance. You want somebody who is versed in Clydesdales. But most people that are versed in Clydesdales are going to be showing there. So it 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 does get tough to find that person that that is there. And and we talk a lot about modern horses. You have had a career over many years that you've seen horses changing from back when you had that gray hitch for for Miller Container. They were stocky, they were solid, they were round, and and they were just big solid draft horses. Now today, especially in the Perchance world we're seeing a more leaner, a more modern type. But what do you feel like the modern draft horse is? You know, if somebody's just getting into our industry and you talk about a modern draft horse, what does that mean to you? Well, usually, I mean, they're, I think they have great front ends. Uh, you know, obviously they have lots of action. Uh, they're a little bit finer bone on a, on a normal. And I think um, they're maybe... You know, all that being said, I think being finer bone, I think they also are a little bit sharper in their heads. I mean, I think that whole thing kind of fits together. They're thinner, longer necked. And, you know, I, th- I think every breed is a little bit different. But uh, I think that's the biggest change is that uh, they're not, they, they probably don't have the foot that some of the breeding horses do. They're, you know, they're just, they're, their whole body is probably a little bit more refined. And so that's probably the biggest difference. I think the other part is, is they're, you know, again, I think they have longer necks and, you know, stuff like that, you know. Okay. What? Okay. What? We've talked a lot of positives, but we have we have to think about the future. Do you see any big obstacles or challenges that are in our business? And I know we hear about the foot a lot. That we're breeding out the foot, and we're we're looking for horses with action, and, and we're forgetting the overall appearance of them. But what do you feel? You you go to enough shows as as an exhibitor, as a judge, just as a spectator. What do you feel are those obstacles that? we have to address now for the future? Well, I mean, obviously bone and foot, are, if you're a breeder, that's very, very important. And at the end of the day, you know, don't lose sight, they're called draft horses. So if we wanted to crossbred, you know, we, we can do that too. But it, it, they're, they're beautiful draft horses. I think the perchin overall is probably a little bit finer bone than some of the other breeds are. But, you know, it comes down to, you know, most of the people that are breeders don't hitch. I mean, that's just, a general rule. I mean, that's not always the case, but it's, it's most time. And also the people that are hitch that hitch a lot don't breed. So, you know, you just gotta, you gotta do what's right for you. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I try to raise a quality horse full to go to the national 
and try to win with it. And if this coat has got a lot of quality and has action, it's a big plus. But if it's got lots of action and no quality, there's no need for me to take it to the show. I might as well just wait till the three-year-old and try to sell it. So, you know, it, it all it depends what fits into your program. And if you're if you want to go win at a big show, you've got to have some quality. Even with hitch horses, you've got to have quality. I mean, you got to. It's it's all very very important. I mean, the but just not losing sight of the, the overall quality of the animal. You want, you got to try to keep them sound. And uh, they're you know even though you said you know the the big drafty horses. There I've seen some wheel horses out there. Even in perch and mares, I've seen some monster big wheel teams in there. Some of these big hitches. And again, you know, there's, there's definitely some quality horses out there that are, they're outstanding horses. I don't know where you'd begin if you wanted to start another Perchin six, you know, I don't know how you'd ever, how you'd ever get to the top, uh, unless you bought somebody else's outfit, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just have one question. You have had a tremendous go with our draft horse industry. What do you have yet to achieve? What, what is out there that you feel that is the one, one more thing that you'd like to, to take home and, and have as a, as a memory or as a treasure? Is, is there anything out there? Well, I, I don't know for sure what I've achieved. I have, yes, I'm fortunate to have been around some beautiful horses, but I think every year, you know, around folding time, uh, I got, you know, we have 18 to 20 foals coming to Anderson farms between me and him. And I think every year, uh, just waiting for one of them, to, another ovation or another uh, uh, Isabel or uh, there's other great Perchamiras out there, too, that I have a name. But I mean, this is our own. I mean, that's what keeps me motivated, keeps me going. I, I just keep thinking about that next one that might is going to make a difference in the breed. So that that's what excites me probably more than anything. Sure. And I know that you've had some guests at the at the farm. You had the Colombian Draft Horse Association representatives from South America. Were their eyes wide open when they came to your barn? I know I know your wife had taken them to different farms around Iowa to see the horses as part of that USLGE program. But I think when they came to Lane's End Farm, it had to be eye-opening for them. Well, I, I think it was eye-opening for them to be at the National Purchase Show. So, I mean, I've seen them riding on the wagon. I think that was eye-opening for them. But, I mean, yes, they were, they, they seemed to be wonderful guests, and they had lots of beautiful things to say and nice things to say about horses. But they said something about everybody's horses. It wasn't just ours. I mean, they were, they were true professionals and uh, really enjoyed their company. But, yeah, they, they, I mean, they had always seen All-Stars Flash, and they had always seen uh, uh, Isabel on pictures and photos, Sapphire, River Oak Sapphire. And so to get to see them horses, yeah, they were definitely excited. But. I think they were excited about everything. I'd seen them down at the at the national show with sitting by you there announcing. Uh, I think they mm-hmm. were excited about that as anything too, you know. So they were definitely uh, they came with their eyes wide open. That's for sure. Absolutely. Well, we are going to wrap up. I just want to thank you for your dedication to our horse world. You you've been a driving force, and we can only wish you the best at the upcoming World Perturin and the World Clydesdale shows because I know you're going to be in it to win it. Well, I am, and it's the same month, the same year, so uh, it's definitely going to be challenging to go to one and come back and eight days later go to the other one, but I'm looking forward to it, and at the end of the day, it's all about uh, what, what we can raise out in the barn and for offspring and to be able to go to compete at these shows. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Absolutely. Well, have a great day in Iowa, and thank you so much for being part of our show. All right. Thank you, Lisa. 
Well, uh, we are going to have our next guest is standing by. His name is Jason Goodman. He's of Young Living Farms in Utah. But first, Jennifer's going to tell us a little bit about the Waverly Midwest Fall Horse Sale. Woohoo! It's coming up October 3rd through 6th. The Waverly Midwest Horse Sale is the longest running and largest public horse auction in existence. When it began back in 1948, it was the only venue of of its kind. And today, it remains the draft horse market to which all others are compared. It's far more than an auction. It's a tradition. Nowhere can more well-broke, well-matched teams of every make, model, and color be found. Join Ron Dean and his crew on October 3rd through the 6th in the heart of horse country, Waverly, Iowa, as they offer tack and horse darn equipment, horse collectibles, and hundreds of horses, including some of the finest draft teams in North America. Every style, size, color, including draft crosses, mules, light driving teams, ponies, and even minis can be found at the Waverly Midwest Horse Sale. October 3rd and 4th features horse-drawn machinery, wagons, harness tack, miscellaneous items, and everything odd, unusual, and interesting that has to do with a horse. And then, October 5th and 6th, it's the catalog Percherons, Belgians, Spotted Drafts, Clydesdales, Shires, Halflingers, Fjords, and Cross Drafts, Mules, Light Horses, and every imaginable equid that could get hitched. It's all at the Waverly Midwest Horse Sale. And you can find out more by joining their Facebook page, Waverly Midwest Horse Sale. You can go online to their website, which is waverlysales.com, or you can go old-fashioned and you can give them a call on the phone. The number is 319-352-2804. And for you procrastinators, consignments will be accepted right up to the time of sale. So call today. Very good. Thank you, Jennifer. Uh, And she will not let me go, by the way, Lisa, because she knows how (laughs) bad I am at auctions. So I'm not allowed. He is banned. Band. I I know, but you you ever sneak up here? I'll I'll slide you over there. Oh uh, yeah, I'm sure. Do some work with me. You're gonna help me we'll bid. You're gonna help me raise my hand or keep it. Un- actually, you're gonna help <laughs> me sit on my hands <laughs> to be more like. It's gonna be up no. there bidding by proxy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, your next guest is ready. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are excited. This. I kind of build this as our fast action guest. And if you know Jason Goodman, you know he does everything in full force. Jason Goodman is now with the Young Living Farms in Mona, Utah. But he began his career very early growing up in the western states and progressing under the guidance of the Sparrow family to where he went to become that Texas Thunder and the Percheron Thunder. And he and his wife have campaigned all across North America. And as I said, Jason is just a fast-paced man that has a passion for the draft horses, and we're excited to have you with us. So good morning, Jason. Good morning, Lisa. How are you? And, and where where are we talking to you at today? Are, are you in Utah? We're actually in the draft horse barn here in Mona, Utah, yes. <laughs> Perfect. I'll be seeing you shortly. In a few weeks, we'll be coming out that way. But I'm going to go, go back and kind of pre- give a preview of of the career, early careers of, of Jason. And as I said, you grew up out in Montana and I believe you were grown up with the Belgian draft horses. You made the trip out to the Midwest and you met the Sparrow family. And that was kind of a life changing event for you because it, it spawned you off into a career. You found your beautiful wife and, and, Today, you are one of the most recognized performers, both at the draft horse events and any of the rodeo events. So 
I, I just want to go back to the beginning and tell us about young Jason Goodman and where you grew up and how horses were a part of your life. Sure, sure. I grew up actually in uh, northern Wyoming and a uh, little tiny town outside of the tiny town called Arveda, Wyoming. Um, we had uh, some Belgian draft horses. We also had some mules and a uh, Spanish jack that we raised the mules with. Um, we had 75 south pharaoh to finish um, hog operation. We had uh, no running water and no telephone and no tractors. So we, uh, about the age of 12, we started using the teams um, every day to do all the chores, to haul all the water, to haul all the feed and everything to the hog. So uh, <clears throat> growing up, um, working Belgians every day was uh, just part of the life. And then from there, I went. I worked for some outfitters, wagon training, did lots of uh, wagon trains in Wyoming. One of them we did... Uh, the Wyoming Centennial Wagon Train. I drove a four up 270 miles from Casper, Wyoming to Cody, Wyoming. That was an experience. Wow. Um, and then uh, from there, I was offered a job at the Kentucky Horse Park. Um, I worked there at the Kentucky Horse Park out of the draft horse and the carriage horse barns for two years. And uh, at the end of that was when they had the Belgian Championships come in there. Um, and that was where my passion growing up in the West, we used to always go to the Denver Stock Show when I was a young kid. And we'd, we'd watch the Draft Horse Show, and of course we'd go over and we'd watch the rodeo. And at that time, um, the Coors Hitch was doing exhibitions at the rodeo, of course driven by Dick Sparrow. And so after seeing that exhibition, I told my dad, I was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. So then my goal eventually was always to go work for the Coors Hitch under Sparrow. And uh, when the Belgian championships came to the Kentucky Horse Park, uh, Sparrows were doing exhibitions at that Belgian show. So that's when I approached, um, actually Paul Sparrow and Joy were there and uh, they hired me to go on the road on the farm as well and, and on the road with Coors Hitch. And uh, of course, I got a lot more experience there and that's where I met my wife Rose and, and I guess the rest is history. Well, I have to, I have to smile because you you said you came from a small town, a small farm where no running water, not not very simple. And then you're at the horse park, which is like the Mall of America for the draft horses. And then you go to the sparrow farms. You made a big curve there from that simple town to traveling with the course hitch. And as a as a youngster, and and I'm not talking a kid, but as as in your twenties and something. It had to be very eye-opening to see everything that was, was going on out there in the draft horse world when you came from such humble home. Yes, and we were, we were big in our local draft horse association where we, uh, you know, we participated in, in the draft horse show in Rapid City, South Dakota, and Billings, Montana, and Casper, Wyoming and stuff. So, you know, that was – so whenever – the big show for us to go to every year was the Denver stock show. And we would do, my dad would do the uh, farm team classes off course and stuff down there. And we would always see the big hitches come in. And that was, that was phenomenal for a, you know, 12, 14 year old kid. Right. Right. Well, and jump ahead a little bit in our, in our interview here. So you go as a spectator and you watch it and your eyes are open wide. And then for many years, you were the star performer during the rodeo at Denver. Yeah, um, 
probably one of the neatest things there was uh <clears throat> so sparrows last year doing exhibitions there was uh 2003 which was our actually first year to compete with the uh, prefer hitch uh, 2003, we had a show hitch at the uh, Denver Stock Show. So then uh, when um, Dick retired from the exhibitions there, um, his last year was 2003, so automatically 2004, we kind of had the option to slide in there. So in 2004, we took two hitches to the Denver Stock Show. We had uh, I had the exhibition hitch for all the rodeos on the rodeo side, and then Jamie Sparrow drove our show bunch on the uh, show side. Okay. So to go back, when you, we talk about the Prefert family, that all began with the uh, Brookhart Lumber Hitch. That was based in Colorado. But at the t- time, were you living there or did they seek you out as, as a driver and say, let's take these Pertrans on the road? We were actually showing a group of Belgians out of Wyoming for uh, Orchard Ranch out of Ten Sleep, Wyoming, Kenny and Joel Orchard. We showed those Belgians for about five years. And then we were helping a couple other hitches out of Colorado. And one of the hitches that we were helping just happened to be the Brookhart's um, lumber hitch. And uh, kind of funny story, Brookhart's, um, they raised, uh, they had Pertrin horses and the Prefort Ranch equipment had Brahma cattle. And Brookhart's used to sell Prefort uh, panels and gates. So the two families knew each other. So um, my understanding, one year for Christmas, they traded one Brahma for one Pertrin. It's kind of how uh, Prefort <laughs> got into the whole Pertrin scene. And then uh, they started doing some small stuff. Uh, one uh, nephew, Joey Bynum, was taking two horses and doing some weddings and some carriage rides and stuff. So Bill Prefort saw the impact of that, and he called uh, Brookhart's, Tom and Betty Watt, and asked them if uh, that they were actually looking at building a larger program and at the time um tom wadded uh put his entire group up for sale and we were helping Brookhart. so uh when tom watt decided to sell the hitch to um preferts bill prefert and the family that uh tom watt recommended rose and i for the for the position so we actually flew to texas and uh Brookhart's, they showed at some of the bigger shows. Uh, I think one of the very first um, Governor's Cup at the Ohio State Fair. Um, I helped Steve Knapp out there show at the Ohio State Fair, and we actually brought the Governor's Cup back to Colorado. Um, Kansas City Royal, they showed there several years. We did the Fiesta Bowl Parade down in Phoenix, Arizona, and then also Denver Stock Show, but they primarily did a lot of exhibition work just in Colorado. So, and Bill Prefer approaches, he wanted to put a hitch on the road, coast to coast, 300 days a year, which is a major project. So we wanted to make sure that the, the company and the family was uh, was ready to take on what they were talking about. So we uh, and it was it wasn't it, about promotion, because you even today, when I see Prefert products, my mind instantly goes back to the Prefert Pertrons and so it was a great marketing tool for them. But instead of being in the show arena, you became the Texas Thunder, which leads you into your next few years because you traveled to rodeos, fairs, and equine events all around this country. And that is kind of where, again, the correlation with the 
with the prefert equipment, it was a great marketing tool because you were out there, as you said, many days of the year, not many day, days off. But how did the Texas Thunder come to be? Was that just a name that you thought was appropriate or was that something you and Preferts worked together on? Well, actually, it started out, we, uh, one of our very first rodeo performances that we had to do was the, uh, the Colorado State Fair, the very first year we were there. And uh, Dick Sparrow had, had done the Colorado State Fair several years with a Coors Hitch. And so uh, the announcer, Hadley Barrett, um, he announced um, Harry Vold was a stock contractor there. And so they'd seen the Coors Hitch for many years there. And we were sitting there getting ready. And at that time, it was a 10-day rodeo, 10 performances. And uh, Jamie Sparrow was my assistant driver. And I was talking to Jamie. And I was like, if, if we want to, uh, to keep this thing on the road, I said, we have to do something different. And uh, that was one thing that Dick did was to spin the top, the stagecoach run. Um, it was the excitement of the draft horses, the heavy horse at a full run in the arena that, uh, you know, a lot of people is, you know, forbidden. You're never supposed to, to run a horse. Um, but a lot of people don't realize the athletic ability of the draft horses. And so I was talking to Jamie and I said, if, if we're going to make this thing stand out, um, we need to do the stagecoach run. So our very first running performance was at the Colorado State Fair um, that year in 2002. And uh, we did 10 performances. Um, so, and then from then on, it just got to be a bigger hit and a bigger hit. And I think that's, you know, Dick was very successful with it. And that, the, that Coors hitch traveled on for many years because of the entertainment value of the exhibition itself. Um, and uh, growing up, my father, he raced everything, um, raced chariots, <laughs> motorcycles, snow machines, cars, everything. My mom used to barrel race. Um, my sister's barrel race. My dad would actually buy faster barrel racing horses if he could break them on his chariot so he could use them to race. And I, when I was little, he would be warming up his chariot racing horses, and I would I was ride with him in the back. I wasn't even tall enough to see over the front of the chariot yes, yes. So <laughs> um, the adrenaline part, I mean, that kind of runs in the family. Now my brother, he races cars. So, um, But with the exhibition part, as far as the, uh, you know, the hitch based out of Texas um, for Prefect Ranch mm -hmm. equipment, and if anybody has ever stood next to the arena when a six-horse hitch comes, comes running by you, um, you will understand where the thunder comes from. Uh, you know what? Yeah. There's I, nobody that's seen you, and and I've seen you a couple times doing this show. There's nobody that's seen you that that forgets that show. It's just amazing <laughs> because it's not. You know, we've and all I, seen Roman riding with light horses, but you just don't feel the power that you do with the Percherons. And I always say yeah. when I'm announcing no. for him, do not attempt this at home. Yeah, well. <laughs> Or do it carefully. Don't <laughs> attempt it. <laughs> With lots of padding and uh, a helmet, uh, preferably. Oh. So now I got to so ask, then, okay, I got to ask the obvious question. Hold on, Lisa, it's my turn. I got to ask the obvious question. Things have had to go wrong in shows, Are you right? I mean, or were you perfect every time? Um, no. And, you know, we were doing that. We, we, you know, with Preferts, we would average about 200 performances a year. Wow. And uh, like when uh, talking to Dick Sparrow, when we first started running them, he says, you know, he says, if you run them, he says, once in a while, you are going to have an accident or a wreck. 
and uh, to going in that. So I think the biggest thing is, and that's like if you're barrel racing, chariot racing, um, even just breaking horses to drive or even showing. Um, Heck, just driving time, a horse. It doesn't matter. <laughs> just like, driving yeah. a horse. Yes, yeah. there is a inherent risk of something going wrong. You have a 3,000-pound hitch wagon. You have six 2,200-pound, 2,000-pound horses. They have a lot of tack. Um, so I think the biggest thing is that was kind of a learning curve. The first few years was to figure out. So the exhibition work is different compared to showing In showing it's more about size of horse in the right spot and movement of horse in the right spot and teams that, that mate. as far as the exhibitions, you need the right athletic ability and the right geared horse in the right spot so and and then also your tack needs to be a little different like our our swing poles and our tongues are, are longer than uh than all the show horses uh hardware and then uh also a lot of our eveners and swing poles and stuff are a lot heavier than everybody else's because of the torque and the force that uh, that gets put through but the biggest thing is every time that we've had an incident um and it's really nice now because there's so many people that video everything that's yeah. good and bad. Usually <laughs> yeah. if you have an incident, it's on Facebook before you can even get back to the trip. And that's the one that goes viral but, right there. Yeah. 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 And, uh, well, we have a slew of them on Facebook or on uh, YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, you left out something though. I, you left out there. The guy on top has to be really good. In the in the Roman writing, yeah, you. I mean, you have to be really yeah. good too. You gave all the credit <laughs> to the horses, but you got to have some balance. You got to know what you're doing, and this takes a ton of practice. Well, the biggest. Thing well, and we really didn't even Roman get writing. into the Roman writing. Yeah, we didn't even talk about your Roman writing. We've we've been talking about you on the seat of the wagon, right? But right. you have thrilled audiences all across this country with Roman writing, and normal people ride two horses when they're Roman riding. But I remember the Percheron Congress I'm announcing and all of a sudden the gates open, the lights dimmed and, and you come in riding a multiple hitch on the back of your wheel team. So tell us how that creation came about and, and how many practice falls you had to take before you mastered that Roman riding. Well, if anybody knows the Sparrow family, um, <laughs> the Roman riding um, actually was part of the original um, show when they had the 40-horse hitch for Schlitz on the road back in the 70s. A lot of the Sparrow family, um, Robert and Sue, would Roman ride teams up and down the racetrack before they would hook the 40. So most of the Sparrow family know how to Roman ride. And that went at working at Sparrow's, um, you know, on the weekends before Thanksgiving or Christmas or something, a lot of times the, the kids and the grandkids would just go get horses out of the barn and you'd always have a couple pairs of Roman riding around, around the <laughs> barn. So when I worked at Sparrows, um, of course you see some of these grandkids, a lot of them a whole lot younger than me, Roman riding these teams. I was like, you know, I'm fairly athletic. I played basketball and I've been driving horses for a long time. I was like, you know this can't be that hard. I've, you know, been riding horses, Jim Connor used to do a lot of timed events and stuff. So I first started Roman riding teams when I worked at Sparrows, um, back in 93. And, uh, 
So then when we transitioned to Preferts, we had an outdoor arena right next to the barn and, and Preferts, they had a lot of tours that come through. And so a lot of times they would want to see something really quick, really fast. And you don't just throw a six horse hitch together in 10 minutes, but we right. could get a pair of horses out of the stall, put some bridles on them, roam and ride them around the arena there. And uh, everybody's really liked it. So uh, one day we're sitting in the barn and we saw a video of a guy over in Europe, Roman riding um, four light horses. And uh, I asked one of the guys, I said, well, I wonder how that, how hard, that can't be that hard. And so I told him, I said, go get the wheel team out and the lead team. I'm going to try this. And uh, I come, we put them together. So it began. Out the barn. One, what? I made one lap around the barn. I come back in the barn and I was like, I could not believe um, my entire body was like rubber. It just, uh, trying to stand on the horses and trying to hold everything. It was, it was using muscles that I had no idea that uh, were even there. So, but I started doing that at rodeos and horse expos because they were always looking for filler stuff. They'd come up and say, Hey Jason, we got 15 minutes here, half an hour here. What, is there anything that you can put in that, you know, to kill some dead time? So we started doing a lot of Roman riding for, and, uh, I Roman rode for it for about four years. And then when we got to the World Pertrand Congress in Lexington, Virginia, um, I vowed that, uh, that I could Roman ride a six-horse hitch. And uh, so we started practicing out there. And for the Saturday night performance, um, I came in Roman riding a six-up. As um, soon as we come through the gate, the wheel team went one, te- one way, the swing team went one way, lead team went the other way. I came off, but we did catch everything, put them back together, and then finished the routine. And uh, it just, it blew up once we started doing it at rodeos and stuff. Yeah. And, and talking about rodeos, you have set some records in the rodeo, rodeo industry by being named one of their top performing acts. And you've had a chance to work with some of the best. I know you've, you've mentioned some names out there. And Hadley Berry, if I would ever see him at events, he'd always say, what's Jason up to now? And, and so people are always anticipating what you were going to do, but that had to be, that had to be a thrill of a lifetime too, going to the finals and being recognized because you were the only draft horse driver to ever be part of the finals. You know, and I didn't, I didn't realize that. Um, when we started out with Preferts, we were doing a lot of dealer appearances and a lot of parades and stuff. And uh, when Eddie Prefort became president, when his father stepped aside, um, Eddie come up to me and he says, Jason, he says, I, we want to start building buck and shoots. And, and uh, we want to get into the rodeo industry in a big way. And so that's when I told Eddie, I said, well, if, if this is the direction that we're heading, I need to get my PRCA card. Um, had no idea about that. Um, didn't know if any hitch had ever done that before. And uh, so started going through the application and, and the whole network of the PRCA and figured that out. And uh, so we were the very first draft horse hitch and driver to ever obtain a PRCA uh, rodeo card. And uh, I was, Eddie was like, he says, I want, he says, I want to make a run at the NFR. And uh, I said, well, then we need to start hitting every major rodeo that we can. And uh, I need to put this act. And so with the wagon exhibition and with the Roman riding, um, we had the Prefort Hitch and the Prefort Bucket Shoots sitting at the NFR in two years. So I was, wow. we were super excited about what we accomplished. And uh, 
that is a whole different ball game there, but it's it's the opportunity that that we've been given to uh, the production of the NFR, the um, taking the draft horses. That's the NFR arena is not very big, and the production, the timing, uh, the smoke, the lights, the the fog, uh, they have machines that blow snow down into the arena and bubbles and stuff. And it's to put the draft horses in that type of theatrical situation was a whole new challenge. And uh, I am, I'm all for a challenge. So I took it head on and we, we ran wide open at it. And I know you and I have talked a lot of times about adding more flair into the production of the draft horse show, because working with NFR and the PBR you do see they put the spotlight on the production and, and that would never take away from our hitches or our horses that are in the arena, but we have such a dedicated following of crowd people that come to watch these shows. The crowds are amazing. And I think you have added that touch of production into it because as Glenn says, everybody that has seen your performance once wants to see it again and, and they will remember you. And what a tremendous marketing for preferreds to have their name associated with those big pertrans coming in and that tall blonde riding them or that, or that family that's, you know, the Sparrow family been in our industry for so many years and made so many um, deep, deep roots into the draft horse industry. It was, it was a great correlation, but as good things always happen, the preferreds decided that the showing was done. They'd probably obtained what they wanted to do. And so then you and Rose had a chance to take over those horses. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So they were actually going to, uh, uh, just disperse of the, the group. And, uh, so being in that industry, basically what we would do is we would sign contracts with, um, shows. And a lot of times those contracts would be a year, two years in advance. Um, a lot of these rodeos, they book their entertainment to come in rodeos and state fairs and stuff. Um, <clears throat> So we got a lot of connections in the rodeo industry, a lot of stock contractors and rodeo committees. And a lot of rodeo committees come up and ask me, it says, okay, so what's, what's going to go on with this, this hitch? We want, we want this hitch to perform in our rodeo. What's, what's the options? And I told them, I said, well, it's, I said, it's not mine. Um, I, di- I didn't know if I could get enough work to, uh, to keep it on the road. Um, so I started calling around to a lot of committees and a lot of stock contractors and various shows and everybody was, uh, was more than happy. They're like, yeah, if there's any way that you can step up and take charge, he said, we, they'd be happy to book us. So, uh, in, uh, January 1st of 2011, Rose and I, uh, made the decision to purchase the entire hitch from Prefit Ranch Equipment. And our very first performance was the, uh, Rapid City Stock Show in Rapid City, South Dakota. Um, we worked with the Sutton stock contractors up there. And uh, from there, primarily, we were pushing more of the Roman riding because it, uh, mm-hmm. it could take a smaller crew, um, just bridles, lines, uh, seven or eight head of horses, and, and Rose and I on the road. Um, but we did some wagon stuff as well if the, if the venue wanted it. But, uh, yeah, we were really surprised that the venues that actually stepped up to, uh, to help keep us going. Okay. And, and now, and you have now taken on a new, new job. You, you slowly 
got out of the scene with the Pertrans and you kind of re- were relaxing a little bit in Colorado. And then I'm taking it. You got the phone call and you are now back in full force working at the Young Living Essential Oil Farm and you are in Mona, Utah. So and, and I have to laugh because the minute that I that I first saw your wagon painted with the purple and painted with the Young Living, it snapped in me and I thought. What a great combination. Gary Young loves to promote. He's passionate about horses. You love to promote. You are passionate. What a great combination. So tell us a little bit uh, real quick on how that came together and what your plans are with the Young Living. Because I'm hoping that we're going to see you at the upcoming World Pertrand Show. Because that's going to make four in a row for you to be a part of. Yes. So correct that we were at the house in Colorado and uh, I knew that uh, several people, you know, had been out here and interviewed for the job. And uh, uh, so one morning um, I did get a phone call from Gary Young and uh, uh, at first he, he said he just wanted to talk and see if I was interested in, uh, in talking and maybe coming out and taking a look at the program and stuff. So uh, they actually, they, Flew us out here, and uh, I drove the eight-horse hitch. Um, little old rehearsal from him, and uh, I was surprised. Gary had uh, had never seen any of our exhibitions, um, so um, we drove a full exhibition here, except for the running, because we had the mare hitch here, and uh, and then we talked more about because I have been in the marketing and performance side of the hitch industry for the last 15 years um not so much on the showing or breeding but more marketing and performance and uh i talked to gary and i said that would be a great fit for your company um if we could Mm -hmm. use some of the connections that we have for some of these venues and then uh and then do more exhibition work so we can do more marketing for your company and uh we were approached that next week. We were approached by the days of 47 rodeo and, uh, the producer of the rodeo, um, Tommy Joe, I've worked with him on and off for 15 years. He was also one of the producers for the PBR. And, uh, they mentioned that we were now head of the Pertrand division here at, at Mona for young living. And, uh, Tommy Joe was like, he says, yeah, he says, we need to have Jason come do an exhibition. So I told uh, Gary, I said, well, if we're going to do a full exhibition, I said, we need to go, we need to run to my house and pick up my bunch because uh, it won't take much. They've been there a lot. It won't take much to get them on the road and ready to roll. And in a week, we were doing full rodeo exhibitions at the Days of 47 in Salt Lake City. Wow. And so we we have decided to... um, Gary's he's very passionate about the program. Um, we've decided to step up the breeding program as well. And then also we have switched the mare hitch um, into geldings. And we are going to show a competition uh, Pertrin gelding hitch. And then also, which is going to be driven by Tim Sparrow. And then we're going to, uh, I will do a lot of the exhibitions with the um, exhibition bunch and more marketing and stuff, which we will have the exhibition bunch, um, next week at the classic series finals show in Oklahoma city. Wow. That's exciting. Well, give us a little plug about 
the upcoming show at Young Living because I know I've been a part of it from the beginning. And as we both said, Gary has such a passion for these draft horses. That's coming up in just a few weeks. Yes. And uh, there's a lot of stuff happening here on the farm. Um, they're getting everything right. There's a brand new exhibitor barn that uh, that is almost completely ready to roll. It's uh, waiting when the exhibitors get here. It's going to be phenomenal. It's, it's going to be a major change from last year. And uh, like I said, Gary is very passionate about uh, about putting this together. Um, they're going to have a, a large PRCA rodeo here as well. And then Saturday, they're going to have uh, Big and Rich will be in concert here at the farm as well also. So, uh, and then there will be a full jousting show um, that Gary will participate in too. So the I was wonder- barn, they're doing wondering if you're going to, I was wondering if you're going to be jousting because that will be something right up your alley. <laughs> I have decided to stay away from that for now and let the professionals um, but we are. Uh, what so could go wrong? It's uh, armor, some lances. Nothing could possibly go wrong. Hey, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I <laughs> no. think we should do some. I I will. Uh, I told the guys. I said. Uh, I said we can do some jousting off a of six horse hitch. See who can knock the other driver off. Oh, that's perfect. I like that. Actually, you'll get attendance no. for that. You'll pack the place. I guarantee you. <laughs> no. I used to do the Renaissance well, Fair, so I, I know a lot of the jousters, and they, they were a special breed. Let's just put it that way. Uh, yeah, my and they all had Don't multiple head well, injuries. One... <laughs> <laughs> one question I had for you is: What is left out there that that you? I know you. You're you're always thinking, and and I'm sure your wife is rolling her eyes, going, "Oh man, not this!" But what what's out there? What what are you thinking in the future that you still need to accomplish? Um, well, we've done some, uh, we've done some really, really cool stuff that uh, um, I have decided for myself that the, the Roman writing, um, I, I did that for 10 years and did right at a thousand performances. And right. I've decided wow. to call, call quits on that. So I'm, I think I should end that on a good note before something drastic happens. Um, I've been fortunate enough to Roman ride, um, for a couple of congresses, Roman ride at the NFR. And, uh, last year I did a couple performances where I did some random riding where I rode one horse and drove three singles out in front with no harness, uh, on anything. Um, I'd like to do that a little more. And then this year we started doing a few skits, um, just basically a little spinoff of the, of the main exhibition. Um, and then uh, I would like to uh, also some more theatrical stuff um, to tweak the exhibition. I think there's several things that we can do for that. Um, but as far as new stuff, um, it's pretty exciting because now we have there's a phenomenal facility here. Um, we have a lot of really nice, uh, you know, we have show geldings and exhibition geldings, and, and we're going to have a really good core group of exhibition geldings that, uh, that can ride, drive, um, walk, trot, run, everything. So uh, I, would, uh, I would probably keep your eyes open because with this facility, we can do some training and do some practicing. So I, I would say, yeah, you never know what's going to come up next. Well, well, we want to thank you for being on. It's, it's tremendous to have you and a guest. And 
you have done great things and set the bar high for a lot of people that want to make a performance with their draft horses part of their life. If you want to follow Jason and Rose, follow them on Facebook at Pertron Thunder or on the Young Living Farms Facebook page. You're doing a great job, and I can't I can't wait to see what I already have anticipation for seeing you next week at the finals and then at the Young Living show at the end of the month. So thank you so much. Uh, say hello to the family and everybody out there at Mona, Utah, and we hope things are a great day for you. Thank you. I appreciate it, and uh, everybody have a good day. Thanks, Jason. Shipshawana Harness and Supplies in the heart of draft horse country in Shipshawana, Indiana, is your source for everything draft horse. Their large inventory of in-house crafted harness, halters, and show bridles, showtime blankets, sweats, wagons, and carts, horse care products, and even shoeing supplies will fill the needs of the heavy horse hobbyist, the horse farmer, the heavy horse exhibitor, and the horse pulling competitor. You can find them online at ShipshawanaHarness.com, as well as on Facebook at Shipshawana Harness, or you can give them a call at 260-768-7254. Just ask for Bob. Shipshawana Harness and Supplies, your source for everything draft horse. Well, Lisa, I just heard from Dr. Wendy Ying, host of the Driving Radio Show, and she said, am I being invited back to defend my title at the World Percheron Congress next year? And I said, well... I don't know. We'll have to find out because that's right. It is coming up again in October 8th through the 13th of 2018 at the historic Iowa State Fairgrounds. The World Percheron Congress celebrates and honors the great breed's versatility, power, and intelligence. It will be a worldwide celebration with breed ambassadors coming from Colombia, South America, Australia, Great Britain, Italy, Germany, and the breed's homeland of France. The final evening will feature the second World Pertron Congress Drive for the Cure Charity Cart Class in recognition of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Exhibitors will get, turn, will get turned loose in the Jacobson Center, and they'll be all in pink. Everybody will be in pink because it is the charity class. The Pertron Horse Association of America invites you and your family to come and be part of the largest gathering of Pertron draft horses anywhere, anytime, and any place. Expect to have a great time, be impressed, and even awed, and count on making memories that will last a lifetime. I know. We're still talking about the last time we were there. For more details and to buy your WPC wear, visit them at worldpertroncongress.us. That's worldpertroncongress.us. And on Facebook at World Pertron Congress. Let, uh, you know what? We need to be there. Wendy and I need to be there. Wendy needs to defend her title, and I need to beat her in the uh, in the celebrity class this year. Because well, you need to mess with Wendy and tell her this year the celebrity part is Roman writing. Perfect. Just well, no, Wendy her. would do that, and I'd get bucked off. See, that's what would they, <laughs> that would not be good at all. <laughs> I like no. the old way better. Well, <laughs> well we have well, a we're lot. Gonna, of we're going to work on it because. We're going to work on that, getting you there, because you, there's no sale involved. So your your wife can't complain that there's a sale that you're going to come home That's with. That's right. Horse, but That's we, true. We need to get you back. Yeah, we definitely need to get there. We had so much fun there last time. We really did. You know, Percherons are my favorite. I I mean, I like all the horses, but Percherons, black ones are my favorite. Just saying. Uh, we are going to have, wow, look at the list of events coming up. It must be show season. 
It is. The fall fall sales and shows are in full swing. September 9th, the Sandwich Fair, that is the Draft Horse Show here in Sandwich, Illinois. September 13th through the 16th is the Central Wisconsin Horse Sale, that is in Nielsville, Wisconsin. On the 15th through the 17th of September, the National Horse Poll in Menominee, Wisconsin. And then September 15th through the 17th, we are going to crown the champions, the North American Six Horse Hitch Classic Series Finals to be held in Oklahoma City. That is part of the Oklahoma State Fair. Again, if you're looking for a show to go, that is one that you don't want to miss. September 16th, right in the middle of that, is the Yoder Brothers Fall Horse and Carriage Auction. That is happening in Clare, Michigan. September 16th through the 17th, the, the Clay County Draft Horse Show in Spencer, Iowa. The Draft Horse Classic is September 21st to the 24th. That is in Grass Valley, California. I did a lot of interviews uh, in the past year there. It's a tremendous showgrounds. Um, on September 21st to the 24th, the North Idaho Draft Horse a Mule Show in Sandpoint, Idaho. Again, a beautiful facility to showcase the Gentle Giants. September 28th, the Davies County Draft Horse and Colt Sale. That's in Montgomery, Indiana. All kinds of horses going through to that sale. Uh, the 29th through the 30th of September is Bolmy's Draft Horse and Mule Sale in Maryville, Missouri. September 28th through October 1st is the Eastern States Expo. That is out in West Springfield, Massachusetts. That is where we had the Percheron yeah, Congress. That's right. That's, again, a tremendous showground. And then September 29th through October 1st is what we talked about, the Young Living Draft Horse Show in Mona, Utah. I'm telling you now, Tickets are very inexpensive to fly into Salt Lake City and then just go south an hour and a half or so. If you've ever wanted to see a draft tour show in probably the most beautiful setting that you will ever see and the activities that go on there for activities for the entire family, the Young Living Draft Tour Show in Mona, Utah is one that you need to put on your bucket list. Um, September 29th through the October 1st is a draft animal power field days in Cornish, New Hampshire. Also, we have your hometown, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. The Keystone International starts October 1st, and that this year is going to be the finals for the Draft Pony Six-Horse Hitch competition. So there is something for everybody out there, whether you're looking for the ponies, the draft horses, the showing, or the workhorses, or to go to a sale, there's something that's going on all the time. And and I'll get these posted on our Heavy Horse uh, Facebook page, so you can follow us and and make sure if you have some free time to go. Lisa? For the Facebook page? It, it, it is Heavy Horses in the Morning. Heavy Horses in the Morning is where you can find that. Lisa posts over there and does a good mm-hmm. job. And, of course, Lisa, you can be found at one of our listeners sought you out and found you for a T-shirt the other day. So uh, where can you be found with Clydesdale Store and well, More? Well, you can, you can find me at Clydesdalestoreandmore.com. We have a, a tremendous store online. And we also have the Facebook page, the Clydesdale Store and More. And we post everything. We've added a couple employees. So we're really hitting that marketing and, and helping to promote all the breeds and and things that are happening, good things that are happening, positive things that are happening in our industry. So the Clydesdale Store and More.com or the Clydesdale Store and More on Facebook. All right, very good. Well, I wanted to make one programming note. Thank you, by the way, to everybody here uh, that made this happen, the Draft Horse Journal and Lynn. We appreciate uh, putting the Draft Horse Show together every single month. You can find all of uh, information on today's guests and things at horsesinthemorning.com. There's a show notes page for every episode we do. And, of course, you can download the Horse Radio Network app. It's the simplest, easiest way to listen to all 15 shows on the Horse Radio Network, iPhone or Android. Just search for Horse Radio Network. 
Network. A programming note for tomorrow. We may or may not have a show, depending on how much preparation we have to be doing here in Ocala. Uh, we're waiting to see what the storm shows tonight or tomorrow morning. So keep an eye on our Facebook page at Horses in the Morning about whether there will be a show or not. Uh, at some point, uh, Jennifer and I actually have to make preparations, too. So um, we, we are thinking that uh, we'll see how it goes about whether we have the show tomorrow. So I hope everybody understands that, and good luck to everybody in the south and the north. Jeez, I saw, just saw more reports about the fires up there, and we're, we're, think, we're just praying for everybody in this country right now. And thank you, Lisa. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. What, what a tremendous show, and I'm, ex- I'm excited. Every, every episode, I think we get bigger and better, and, and I think this is the way to go. I like two guests where we get to talk to them a little bit longer, but there's always excitement out there, and we're looking to cover it here on Horses in the Morning. Perfect ending. All right, everybody, take care.